You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Jonadab. And Jonadab, according to our text of scripture, we are told was shrewd. He was crafty. He was clever. And and notice the way that he's depicted here as a friend of Amnon. But listen, he was no friend at all. He was a carnal friend, a spiritual enemy who advised for the recovery of the body to the ruin of his soul. Listen, beware of friends exactly like this. The stories found in 2 Samuel provide us with all sorts of wisdom, and today Pastor Mike is sharing from the lives of David's children. David's son, Amnon, had a friend who was no friend at all, and Pastor Mike warns us against a friend like this. Not all friends are true friends. Watch the fruit of your friend's advice and their lives. If it's producing things that give you what you want, but at the cost of your soul, It's time to seek new friendships. Come along with us for more nuggets of wisdom. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 13 as he begins his message, The Choices Men Make. up where we left off last time. This is a series of studies in the book of 2 Samuel. The title of that series is The Making of a Man of God. And in the progression of that series, now we move into chapter 13, 2 Samuel chapter 13. It's great to see so many of you here this morning. Those of you who are watching online, welcome. Thanks for being with us. And we just trust that the Lord will speak to each and every one of us in a very relative and personal uh, kind of a, a way. This morning's message, the title is The Choices Men Make. The Choices Men Make. Okay, so we want to talk about decisions, which are such a big part of our life's experience. That is making the right choices. You know, a wise man once said, and I quote, we make our choices and then our choices turn around and make us. And that's so very, very true. We make our decisions with the best of intentions, often, Sometimes those intentions are good. Sometimes those intentions are bad. But only to find out that events do not always turn out the way that we hoped they would. Webster, in his dictionary, defined the word choice in this way. It's the act of choosing, the voluntary act of selecting or separating from two or more things, that which is preferred, or the determination of mind in preferring one thing to another. The idea there is that we all make a choice, a selection. 
Let me give you a couple of examples of this from our life's experience. Probably you can relate to these examples. For example, a senior in high school, a teenager, chooses a college, the college that he's going to attend, as many of you have. A young adult chooses a career. A couple chooses to marry, to buy a home, to raise a family, to have children. Listen, we all make choices. And in time, however, our choices determine the quality of our lives and the kind of relationships that we enjoy. Now, in this chapter before us here in 2 Samuel chapter 13, we see this process in operation in the household of King David with his two sons that we're about to be introduced to for the first time. One of those sons, his name is Absalom. You're probably more familiar with him than the other, whose name was Ammon. You would think, you know, you would expect the sons of such a great godly man as David to turn out like their father. That is to be wise and good stewards of the freedoms and the advantages that God had given them. But what we are about to discover, and we are actually about to be disappointed when we find out that the older, and these are the two older sons of David, did not choose wisely. And they did not use the freedom and the advantages that God had given to them. Okay, so in our cast of characters, once again, we're about to be introduced to these two sons of David, Absalom and Amnon. Okay, so let's pick up now. Let's go ahead and read the first two verses of chapter 13, and then I'll make a couple of comments. After this, Absalom, the son of David, had a lovely sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. Amnon was so distressed over his sister Tamar that he became sick, for she was a virgin, and it was improper for Ammon to do anything to her. Okay, now, a couple of things to take note of. Although the first part of this chapter has to do with one of David's sons, whose name was Amnon, the opening statement introduces us to Absalom, who is now 18 or 19 years of age. He is handsome, he's ambitious, he's the son of a princess, whose name was Maka. She was the daughter of the king of Geshur, according to 2 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 13. And the fact that he is mentioned first, and that Tamar is described as his sister, not David's daughter, gives some indication of his family pride and assertion of power. And from what also we will read here in this chapter, it is clear Absalom is very protective of his sister Tamar. We will also become aware of how Absalom has a detailed knowledge of his half-elder brother. And notice I said half-elder brother because the sons of David was born to the different wives of David. Amnon, who is the crown prince, he was David's firstborn. His mother was a woman who we were already introduced to in one of our previous studies, whose name was Ahinoam. She was a Jezreelitess. And this fellow, Amnon, was first in line for the throne because he was the elder son of David. And remember, I said Absalom is ambitious. So obviously he had his eye on the crown. And thus Amnon stands in the way of Absalom ascending to the throne. So that sets up our study. Let's go back now and rehearse for you once again verse 1. Let's read verse 1 once again. 
After this, Absalom, the son of David, had a lovely sister whose name was Tamar, and Amnon, the son of David, loved her. So Amnon fancies himself in love. But what we are about to discover was that it wasn't love at all, but rather it was lust. Verse 2, Amnon was so distressed over his sister Tamar that he became sick, for she was a virgin, and it was improper for Ammon to do anything to her. So notice that here Amnon had become sick. He's love sick, or at least he thought he was love sick. But that's what unbridled lust will do to you. And notice the way that she is depicted for us as a virgin. So as a virgin, she may have been assigned to special quarters. So any form of sequestering would have made it difficult for Amnon to be able to talk with this woman, Tamar. Also, I want you to take note of the fact that it was improper for him to pursue having a relationship with his half-sister. Because unions between couples who share at least one common ancestor was forbidden. Let me give you a cross-reference from this, from the book of Leviticus. This was forbidden in the scriptures. In the book of Leviticus, in chapter 20, in verse 17, there we are told, if a man takes his sister, his father's daughter, or his mother's daughter, and sees her nakedness, and she sees his nakedness, it is a wicked thing and they shall be cut off in the sight of their people. He has uncovered his sister's nakedness. He shall bear his guilt. So this would have been improper for Amnon to pursue a relationship with his half-sister Tamar. Now, verses 3 and 4. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother. Now, Jonadab was a very crafty uh, man, And he said to him, that is to Amnon, why are you, the king's son, becoming thinner day after day? Will you not tell me? And Amnon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Okay, so in our cast of characters, now we're introduced to another, Jonadab. And Jonadab, according to our text of scripture, we are told was shrewd, he was crafty, he was clever. And notice the way that he's depicted here, as a friend of Amnon. But listen, he was no friend at all. He was a carnal friend, a spiritual enemy who advised for the recovery of the body to the ruin of his soul. Listen, beware of friends exactly like this. You see, lust often masquerades itself as love. And then in verse 5, So Jonadab said to him, lie down on your bed. This was his advice. This was his counsel. They're putting together this plot. Lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father, David, comes to see you, say to him, please let my sister Tamar come and give me food and prepare the food in my sight that I may see it and eat from her hand. So, They develop this unscrupulous plan, according to verse 5. Both are willing to be a part of such depravity, laying a trap to seduce her. You know, notice how quickly and willingly he was to accept 
uh, Jonadab's advice. You know, it's too bad that men don't often respond to godly advice in the same way. That is so quickly. Verses 6 and 7. Then Amnon laid down and pretended to be ill. And when the king came, David, to see him, Amnon said to the king, Please let Tamar, my sister, come and make a couple of cakes for me in my sight, that I may eat from her hand. And David sent home to Tamar, saying, Now go to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. So this was a childish uh, request on the part of Amnon, but David indulges him. Notice then in verse 8. So Tamar went to her brother Ammon's house, and he was lying down. Then she took flour and kneaded it, made cakes in her sight, and baked the cakes. So she's not aware of what's going on here, right? She's not aware of this plot that is under way. In verse 9, and she took the pan and placed them out before him, but he refused to eat. Then Amnon said, have everyone go out from me, and they all went out from him. So Amnon is about to make his move on his half-sister Tamar. Verse 10, then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food into the bedroom that I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the cakes, which she had made, and brought them to Ammon, her brother, in the bedroom. So the reference to the inner room. She might have had some misgivings at this point, but remember, she was just obeying her father David's request. So she just goes ahead and enters into the inner room, the bedroom of her half-brother Amnon. Now, verse 11. Now, when she had brought them to him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, come lie with me, my sister. So suddenly he grabs hold of her and she realizes finally what is going on. Verse 12. But she answered him, no, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing should be done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. So... She resists, verse 13. And I were, could I take my shame? And as for you, you would be like one of the fools in Israel. Now therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. So she tries to reason with Amnon in desperation, suggesting that he will incur public disapproval. She asks, consider the result of your desire, both for her and for him. The shame, she would be shamed. And it would also reveal that Ammon was a fool because he was blinded by lust and also tries to reason with him that the people wouldn't want an incestuous king to rule over them. Verse 14, however, he would not heed her voice. And being stronger than she, he forced her and lay with her. And so he commits the heinous crime of rape. She suffers its physical and emotional pain. Oh, the evil that results when we don't restrain our lusts. Verses 15 and 16. Okay, so now he's forced herself upon her. Uh, He's committed the sin of rape. 
And then in verses 15 and 16, we read that Amnon hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, Arise and be gone. And so she said to him, No, indeed, this evil of sending me away is worse than the other that you did to me. But he would not listen to her. How heartless and cruel. And it just goes to show us you can never satisfy your lusts. You know, in the book of Exodus in chapter 22, in verse 16, we are told that if a man, and, and I, I guess that she was, this is, she was either offering this as an excuse to get out of the bedroom where she had just been raped, to get away from her half-brother, or maybe she was actually thinking, well, you know, make your appeal to your father, uh, David, so that he would allow me to be your wife. Because in the book of Exodus, in chapter 22 and verse 16, there we are told, if a man entices a virgin who is not betrothed and lies with her, he shall surely pay the bride price for her to be his wife. So either he was to marry her or support her for the rest of her life. So this would have been, if you think about it, within that culture, this would have been a great deterrent for premarital and casual sex. But of course, we don't have anything like that today. And then in verse 17, we read, Then he called his servant who attended him and said, Here, but this woman out away from me and bolt the door behind her. How calloused can a person's heart be? He already set himself on doing the wrong thing. How indifferent. Now, you know, let me take a moment here. And remember, this was all about lust. This was not about love. And I want to take a moment to address our young ladies here in our fellowship this morning and any that may be watching online as well. Listen, you gals, take note of this. And be careful of guys while dating who have hidden intentions. You really don't know. Who might be pressuring you to get you into bed. You know, they're doing all of the right things, and, you know, it seems like they're, they're so courteous, and, but you really don't know what their intentions are. And they'll do everything that they can possibly do, say all of the, what seems to be the right things. Listen, what it comes down to is this. If that fellow really loves you, then he'll wait until you become man and wife before you have sex with him. Now, in verse 18, so just a word to the wives. In verse, so be careful, because, man, I'll tell you something. Men are such animals, aren't they? And uh, so be very, very careful about that. Now, verse 18. She had on a robe of many colors, for the king's virgin daughters wore such apparel. And his servant put her out and bolted the door behind her. So the robe of many colors was the badge of her virginity. It designated her as being a virgin. Verse 19, there we read, Then Tamar put ashes on her head and tore her robe of many colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went away crying bitterly. So she certainly did not repress her emotions. Verse 20, there we read in verse 20, 
And Absalom, her brother, said to her, has Amnon, your brother, been with you? So obviously news had come back to her uh, brother Absalom and uh, of what had just taken place. And he asked the question, has Amnon, your brother, uh, been with you? Referring to her being raped. But now hold your peace. This was his counsel. Now hold your peace, my sister. He's your brother, half-brother. Do not take this thing to heart. And so Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. Now notice the phrase, hold your peace. Listen, this was very bad advice. You know, if something traumatic should happen to any of us in our life's experience, we need to share our feelings. Why? So to receive encouragement from other people. Don't hold your peace. Get it out there. You know, seek the counsel of someone else. Seek the encouragement of people who love you. Notice also the phrase, she remained desolate. The idea is that because of her fact that she was no longer a virgin there within that culture, she was never able to marry. Verses 21 and 22. But when King David heard of all of these things, he was angry. And Absalom spoke to his brother Amnon, neither good nor uh, bad, so he didn't let him know that he was aware of what had taken place to his sister. For Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar. Now notice, David, we are told, was angry. So news obviously had gotten back to King David of what had taken place. But notice, he didn't do anything to protect Tamar or correct Amnon. Now why was that? Well, Take notice of that. It may be that David was conscious of his own guilt in a similar matter and therefore felt a lack of moral authority to discipline his own son. And I'm referring to his committing adultery with Bathsheba. Remember, we talked about this last week. In fact, last Sunday's study was all about the sin that David had fallen into, that is committing adultery with this woman Bathsheba that led to the murder of her husband Uriah. And maybe that was the very thing that caused David to continue to be silent. He didn't do anything to protect Tamar or correct Ammon. But that's going to come back to bite him. Well, anyway, according to verses 21 and 22, Absalom is just waiting patiently for the time to act. And as we will see as we continue on in our study, he did, in fact, act. And that was another wrong decision that he made. Now in verse 23, and it came to pass after two full years. So this anger is festering within Absalom for a period of two years. And Absalom, according to verse 23, had sheep shearers in Baal Hazar, which is near Ephraim. In my father's house. We're so glad you joined us today for In My Father's House. Pastor Mike has been taking you through the book of 2 Samuel, an Old Testament book that continues the story of David. David was a great king, loved by many, and forever etched in history as a man after God's heart. Yet, he wasn't perfect. God used David in powerful ways, even after he had failed. 
And God can use you, too. Are you still seeking the Lord? Are you repentant when you fall? God sees your heart, and He's merciful, and He has great plans for you. Continue to trust in His goodness and faithfulness, and let Him use you to bring glory to His name and share the good news of the hope that's found in Christ. If you'd like to explore more messages from Pastor Mike, visit HarvestNYC.org or find the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified every time we post a new edition of the show. Just search for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. If you're in Midtown Manhattan, we'd love for you to come visit us this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship. There's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Find out more on our website, harvestnyc.org. Make plans to join us on Thursdays, too. We're meeting virtually to jump back into the Word midweek and worship the Lord. That starts at 7.30 p.m. online at harvestnyc.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us again for more right here on In My Father's House.